As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. Welcome to the One Haas podcast. I'm Chris Kim. Today we have Ashri Kaplan, Investment Director at Munich Re Ventures and a 2013 Berkeley Haas MBA alum. Munich Re Ventures is funding the future of risk for human endeavor, working across the globe to support the next generation of disruptive technologies and business models. Welcome, Ashri, and great to have you on the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to get connected with Haas and Cal and reconnect with Haas. So go Bears. Go Bears. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Could you maybe share a bit about your origin story? You know, where did you grow up? And did you always know, even as a kid, that you'd be a venture capitalist? <laughs> yeah, as you can still feel by my accent, I'm, I'm originally from Israel. And I was growing up in a small town near Tel Aviv. And after finishing my high school, I went to serve in one of Israel's defense forces intelligence unit. Awesome. And I essentially started my career there, so to speak, as an analyst. And that was my first job as an analyst. <laughs> Literally, I know that I guess I will analyze technologies and companies for the years after that for a living. I then, four and a half years later, basically after I finished my army service, I, I got convinced by my uncle to go and study law. Mm. Don't ask me why, <laughs> but I got convinced. And I wasn't sure that was what I wasn't going to do or this is the ultimate path for me. So I decided to merge that with some business knowledge. So I also did an undergrad in business in the Reichman University in Israel. And towards the end of my second year there, I realized that I feel much more connected to the world of business than to the law side of things. And I decided that I'll start to explore some opportunities on the business side. I didn't know what is a venture capital or a hedge fund, to be honest with you at that time. It was really a beginning, but somehow I got an intro to one of Israel's most famous venture capitalists at the time. And I went to meet him. And that was in the summer between the second and the third year of my studies. And I guess one thing led to another. And I find myself doing a summer internship in this VC fund and also spend the next couple of years there. So that's where I really know when I, that I want to continue and do that for my career. So I still finished my law degree, but you can call me a defected lawyer after that. <laughs> so I continue to do my part on the business side and continue this VC role. And I haven't left the VC world since then, essentially. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. What was it like growing up in Israel? And what was that like uh, growing abroad and then eventually coming to the US for school? You know, I think Israel is not that different than the U.S. when it comes to technologies and the entrepreneurial system and even the VC, to be honest with you. I think what was very clear to me back in the day is that to go here and to continue my, my career in the VC side of things, I, I need to do it in the Mecca for the VC and startups. Gotcha. And I knew that I want to do it here in the Valley or it's still to this day in my mind. I realized that the path here to Silicon Valley as a foreigner businessman could be for a graduate degree, mostly in business. And I also noticed that most of the VC leaders out there, they have an MBA, they have some leadership roles in some of the other technology companies that say, well, how do I get to that? And to me, that was very clear that an MBA could, could definitely expedite this, this growth for me. And I knew I wanted to do it in schools that definitely focusing on leadership, entrepreneurship, and VC. And to me, Berkeley is kind of like in 
banding all of this together. Oh, that's awesome. Was that hard? If I understand correctly, before you came to the MBA program, you were working at Deloitte, right? I think a lot of people would say that's a great job. It's, it's a lot of opportunity and it's maybe hard to come off of that track. How did you end up ultimately deciding, hey, you know, I want to want to make the shift and I'm willing to take the risk. And, and then how did you decide specifically about Haas? Did you consider other places or what was that process like for you? Yeah, so I guess to me, getting to Deloitte, you know, I think Deloitte was a great school for me in terms of getting to know how big corporates work and definitely corporate America and being able to learn from my bosses at the time and from the CEO of Deloitte in Israel at the time, what is really mean to be a leader and how to do it in a day-to-day type of activities. And at the time, I realized that I want to do that in under, again, a role of, of an investor but I want to do it where close to where, I guess, where the headquarters is or where everything is happening and starting. And to me, Silicon Valley is still the place of where things are starting and where the trends are being shaped. And to me, that was an easy choice to say, well, I want to do that, but in Silicon Valley. And then when I started thinking about MBA, you know, as I said before, I, I tried to figure out which schools could fit my culture and on the same time could fit for my career goals. I evaluate three different schools that could be a fit for a job like that. Some of them are in the Valley. Some of them are in the East Coast. But I'd say overall, once I got into us, that was a very easy choice for me. That's say, well, that's exactly what I want. That's exactly where I want to be. And nothing can beat California weather by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's even the middle of winter right now for folks who are in the snow. Apologies when we're recording this. It's, it's bright and sunny right now in the Bay. So what was it like when you first got to campus? I think Berkeley has a lot of maybe like public images or maybe even misconceptions. Like what was that experience like when you first got to campus? And did any of your preconceived notions or thoughts before you started the program, did any of those change uh, as you started uh, going through the MBA process? I want to say, you know, as an Israeli coming from abroad maybe that will be relevant for some for some of the some of our listeners maybe not so we'll figure it out but i would say as an israeli coming to berkeley berkeley is considered one of the more liberal schools out there and to me as an israeli coming and and, um expecting to see a few things on campus that might conflict with some of the image that i'm representing but you know, so in a way as a preparation for that you have some sort of an image of what you're going to be facing but if I need to be honest, I haven't seen any of that. I just when I came to school, I said, be prepared because some of that will, will face you and you need to know the facts, then you need to know the answers and how to kind of like get being challenged and answer some of those challenges. I want to say that through my time at Haas, I never really had a chance to get into any sort of conflict or any sort of challenges that were anticipated before Haas. And when it comes to being like at business school, the business school at us is one of the more diverse ones that I, I can think of. To me, like the reason that I want to get to an MBA in general and to us more specifically was really diversify the exposure that I have to different industries, different professionals, and to learn about all of those new opportunities out there and to learn about some of the history of some of my you know, colleagues. I was coming to us very focused on what I want to do after us, but at the same time, I wanted to kind of like experience. 
and definitely talk to others and see what their what was their experience because again that was my first time in the US as a full-time student at the time and first time as a, an immigrant mm-hmm. so I was coming with uh, ears wide open and I want to say that was very refreshing and by the end of the day as part of those all networking and exposures that I had through us I actually found my the next job after us so it was definitely benefiting for sure that's awesome to hear one of the things that I think exactly to your point, Ashi, and a lot of people have the preconceived notions that either Haas or Berkeley is like super, super liberal. And and definitely there's a more open atmosphere. But I think on the flip side, I think exactly to your point, it's almost super welcoming in that way as well. People have such diverse backgrounds. There's less preconceived notions maybe of what's the right way or appropriate way, like having that open personality. I've definitely experienced that during my time at Haas. And I feel like it's one of the benefits because you get out of your traditional ways of thinking things and you really start becoming like creative and especially in this area in the Bay where innovation is super important. It helps get you in the mode of constantly looking for innovation. Any fond memories or classes that influence your direction? I know you're super keen on going to VC right from the get. What was that like? I think that probably the most influential course that I that I took at Haas was negotiations with Holly Schrott. To be honest, I'm negotiating now every day. <laughs> my, my job is essentially to negotiate. Mm. So with that, I don't think about any other course that would rather take a test than the negotiation. And I guess to me, that was an eye-opening because as an Israeli, they are teaching you some sort of like a tactics around negotiation, which I found as very different than the tactics that are being taught at, in U.S.-based schools and definitely at HUD. And to me, that was super refreshing. And it, it was hard. It was hard at the beginning and it was challenging at the beginning to find myself in situations where I need to adapt. I need to figure out a different way to approach things if I want to be successful. And that's one of the classes that I've been keep using since then and keep using the materials from time to time, I have to say. And I think I actually mentioned it to Holly as well. This is, again, the most influential course that I had in us. That's awesome. What about the course do you think was like, most helpful in your experience? Because you definitely had professional experience. You'd worked at big companies and you'd already been in VC. Like, How did that augment what you'd already experienced in your past professional experiences? Uh, Again, to kind of go back to what I said before about the difference, I think the main difference between called the Israeli approach versus the American or the Haas approach for negotiations is this pie, right? You usually, you've been taught, at least in Israel, that you have this notion that if, if you're a winner, if you're winning the negotiations, the other side need to lose. And if the other side losing, you must be winning. And that's essentially the, the notion that I was coming up with and was taught and try to figure out how can I leverage some of those tactics in my negotiations. And there are some areas and there are some uh, instances where that's not true. And I found more of those instances as part of those as part of this course. And I happen to find a lot of those instances after the course. And in the course itself, part of the, the basics and the strategy around those and the tactics around those is to really figure out how can you, you know, expand the pie to both sides versus take the pie from one and give it to another. And I think that's, maybe it sounds basic and I would claim that it is basic, but in order to find it and in order to, in a way, figuring out how to do it and the tactics of how to do it, that's to me the, the secret sauce. And that's been 
without stealing any of all the <laughs> thunder and let the people out there to essentially go. And if they haven't in their undergrad or grad school, definitely do it in their executive mm. sessions that the Holy is definitely providing. Oh, that's awesome. What you kind of mentioned, you know, the experience that Haas helped you to transition or find your next role post-grad in venture capital. Like, yeah. what was that experience like? Because today, everybody wants to be in VC, but yeah. you're one of the success stories. How, how did you navigate that? Especially for VC, if I understand correctly, it's not really a traditional pipeline or traditional recruiting process. There's no like career day where a VC is coming to to us and present and everybody's just putting their resume. I'm not sure if that's actually happening today. It used to happen before in some of the other industries when I was at us. But for VC, you need to basically shape the opportunity for yourself and get to know people and learn and see how can you provide any sort of value to those funds and being able to show some of your own value to them. So I want to say as part of those networking activities, as part of us, I got somehow connected to one of the senior leaders, senior leaders in a Fortune 500 company named Flex. And Flex, it's, it's a design, engineering, and contract manufacturing company. So it's uh, playing in the hardware business. And I didn't know a lot back then about that, to be honest with you. But some of the challenges that the company was facing were very similar to some of the challenges that the company before I, before I went to us, Deloitte, were experiencing. And basically, the, the, this senior leader, after uh, a couple of meetings, say, well, how about you join us and try to do or do even more of what you've done at Deloitte and, and do it here in Silicon Valley, in the headquarters of where the company is? I said, well, that sounds good. Let me check. I know a lot about your business or industry. Let me come and learn a bit more. I ended up joining a company with the mission of establishing its venture activities. And that was a great time to be an investor in hardware. That was around the most recent hardware booming years in 2013. All the wearables, AR, VR, robotics, IoT sensors, again, booming years. And it's fun time to be around hardware. And I had a great time there. And we've done dozens of investments. And that was super, super fun. That's awesome. I noticed one of the things, you essentially became a board observer really soon after business school. What was that experience like? I, I think most folks maybe could have no idea what happens in, in those type of uh, situations. But you got a kind of trial by fire as you guys scaled really quickly, from what I understand. So board observer is a role that you're assuming on behalf of your fund or a corporate fund, but it's something that you do on that behalf and you're basically acting as a board observer in board meetings. There is a difference between that and board of director because that board of director is the one who basically help run the company on a day-to-day -day basis and help make decisions together with the board of the company of which direction they need to go. The board observer has no voting rights, but it has, from the name, has the, the right to observe the activities and obviously participate in the discussion and be able to help the company as much as needed. Some of the corporate venture arms and venture arms are asking for board observers as part of their investments. I was lucky enough that we as, as funds, we asked to have a board observer in some of those investments. I didn't have them in all of my investments. In my current fund, that's part of our request to be a board observer at the minimum, because that's how we believe we can actually add value to the company. So how is it to be a board observer and a board director? I want to say that's a great responsibility and accountability that you need to have for the role. You need to be able to listen, specifically as observer, you need to listen and realize what are some of the challenges the company is going through and be able to, to really figure out your role as a, 
at this point could be like an advisor in a way to the CEO of how to get beyond specific issues at the same time owning the right as an investor for the company. So I think this is where being part of the board, it's very, it's definitely a, a very interesting experience in general, which someone that any investor will probably do in one time of his life. It's great to hear. Yeah. Was there any kind of learning curve in that or did you, did you essentially, did you just pick up and go <laughs> as soon as you, you got there? When I started my career in, on the VC side back in Israel, I had an experience of, of being on boards. So I want to say that was not such a, let's say, a unique thing, being here in the U.S. and acting as a board member or a board observer. Obviously, when, you're, when you have a bit more responsibility and when you have multiple boards to manage, I want to say that's what creates a bit of a unique, I would say, prioritization of your day-to-day -day activities and being able to still do your job as an investor, being able to continue and find great investment opportunities while at the same time help companies that you are investing in and being able to support their day-to-day -day operations. I think that's the main challenge as an investor today. And, and some funds are really dividing between the two and essentially not allowing for some of the investors to be an active board observer or even a director and essentially an operator. But some companies like ours, we are the, both the operator side and on the investment side. That's awesome. Ash, could you share a little bit for folks who might be listening but aren't familiar? You know, What does a day-to-day -day look like uh, for a venture capitalist or a VC investor? And how do people split their time, uh, as you're talking about here, between core aspects of investing and then all the other responsibilities that are associated with being in a VC fund? In general, I would say an investor um, investor probably needs to divide his time between looking at looking and listening to on new new opportunities. Depending on what exactly is your role, whether you are an associate in in one of those funds or a principal, and later an a director or general partner, you basically need to manage your time somewhere around the same. I think you need to go and. Definitely listen to new opportunities. I think that's part of our role. I think every investor out there is probably looking between three to 10 opportunities a day and being able to network and connect with the with entrepreneurs and being able to learn more about their activities. Nowadays, you're doing it mostly around Zoom. To be honest with you, it's still around, still around Zoom versus actually in person. And the second element is definitely helping your portfolio companies. So you have been an investor in some of those companies require your help in being able to manage the specific issues. Could be with hiring some new, new talent to the company or how to streamline some of the operations and some of those requests that sometimes are happening in the board level and sometimes are happening just because of the day-to-day -day help that the entrepreneur and the management team want to discuss things with you on some of what are your thoughts, how to strategize around some of those questions that were raised. So that's mostly it. I think that's definitely take most of the time. Now, for a corporate VC uh, like ours, we, we obviously need to think about things that are strategic for our corporate. So that requires some work, that requires an alignment and thinking about what could be, what are things that could be strategic for our corporate. And that's obviously adding some additional level, additional layer for the work. You had an awesome experience at Flex. How did you decide what to do next? And what was that process like for you? I had a great time at Flex. And that was, as I said, was fun time to be in, in hardware back in the days. But thought that I got to the ceiling of our ability to grow our fund within Flex. And I also, it was five and a half years, I needed a refresh on my own career path. 
So I was out and I was consulting for a few different startups out there and few brand new VCs and CVCs as a venture partner. But one thing was I was missing and that's the actual execution of VC, right? Being an, an operator and helper to some of those startups. And that's around that time the relationship with Unicree started. And after a few more few months of relationship, I was joining. And I joined Unicree back in June of 2018. And since then, I'm there. So almost three and a half years. Could you maybe just explain at a high level, what's the area of focus or kind of what's, um, what are the areas that you're interested in, generally speaking, for Munich Reventures? Yeah, so Munich Reventures is the VC arm of, of Munich Re, which is a very, very large German multinational insurance company based in Munich and one of the world's leading providers of reinsurance, primary insurance, and in general, risk transfer services. And we are, we are managing today about billion dollar in venture assets and i would say our main interests are investing in startups that are really looking to transform the the future of risk and of risk transfer i would say risk transfer is one of those areas where, where people are not really associating it as one of those as a theme we at munichree we're definitely looking at this as the future and we think insurance is the industry that is basically setting the infrastructure for a lot of other different industries to be in existence today. So being able to sit at the core and investing in some of those technologies and business models that handling that core risk in a different way, to me, this is fascinating. And the reality is that we see today insurance like touching so many different angles. And the world of insurance is, is changing just below our legs about like where are we actually consuming insurance and where we are buying insurance and whether you are a personal or a commercial entity, you will look to that. And the reality is that insurance that we consume a few years back or 10 years back, it's definitely not the one that we are consuming today. People less care today about who is providing the insurance. They care about the fact that they have insurance and in the right time. So to us, that's a big trend. And that means that we'll see more and more ecosystem and, and embedded insurance, just like and we see an embedded finance as part of basically everything. We're definitely following those trends and looking to invest in some of those core platforms that either enable that or being part of that ecosystem. Awesome. It's really interesting. You've had both pre-pandemic and now like in the pandemic slash hopefully, you know, knock on wood, post-pandemic sometime soon. How, how has that been from a VC perspective and the industry writ large? You know, what what's your take on that, having seen the whole experience? I think in general, not necessarily just in, in Munich, but I think in general, the world become became even smaller due to this pandemic. I think if before that you needed to go and, and travel to specific areas around the world, and look for investment opportunities. Nowadays, the investment opportunities just find finding you and they finding you over Zoom in your convenience time. And you don't need to go and travel to find those opportunities. On the same time, I think it's also creating some competition for investors because as there is no shortage of funding out there and a lot of investors have the same the same resources as you. So you really need to differentiate and find uh, how you can position yourself as, as a smarter investor, as a one who can actually provide better value to your portfolio companies and to your upcoming prospects as portfolio companies. So I think that's that creates some some definitely some competition among us, the VCs. I think those are the main points. You know, I think we will get 
back to some hybrid mode where, where we're spending some of our times in front of computers and some of our times back in in-person meetings, hopefully, and which will maybe streamline our work a bit more even. And I feel like we'll figure out some sort of like a balanced solution to that. I feel like the in-person effect of meeting entrepreneurs and meeting even other investors and, and learning from them about what's interest for them, I think that's not going to change. I think you definitely, it's much easier for you to create a relationship in an in-person versus over Zoom or Slack. And I think that's part of what we do. That's part of the networking, relationship building. And I encourage everyone to go and continue to do that and not stick behind the computer screen. That's great. For... um. Current students, Ash, you're, you're several years out now, so you maybe have perspective. What kind of advice would you give to current students or perspectives who are thinking about coming to Haas, thinking about going to VC and would ask you for advice? Hey, what can I do to be as successful as you are? I think people need to be vulnerable. And when I say vulnerable, I mean that they need to open themselves to the ideas of something that, you know, really being open-minded about what they are going to see and learn. And be open-minded about about networking. Be open-minded about people that they're gonna they're gonna meet during those couple of years or three or four years at school, as those are the years that you don't really know who you're gonna meet. And the reality, you don't really know where is the next opportunity will come and how you're gonna meet your next employer or a reference to a new employer. And I think, like to me, that was new. I always had, in a way, a plan in my mind, and I need to follow this plan. But the more I thought about it, the reality is that nothing really went according mm. to the plan, but it was in a way parallel to the plan. As long as I had a plan, but I was open enough to really expose myself to other options, those other options eventually were created. And I find myself coming in and really absorb some of them. And I think by that, new opportunities got created. So I would say if you are looking to get into VC, you basically need to create your own path. And like I said before, you get a bit more connected about what's happening in the world right now and what's happening in the VC world specifically and being able to find some elements of where you can actually add value to some of those VCs and search for them and, and talk to them and, and be out there and continue to network and do it in a way that it doesn't position you as a desperate person, but more as like, I want to learn from you. I want to help you as much as I can if this help is needed. Asha, it's been uh, great having the conversation today. We end typically with a rapid fire where we ask three or four quick questions. So if you're up for it, we'll maybe throw some unexpected, not prompted rapid fire questions for you. Let's do it. All right. So first one, favorite place that you like to eat when you were at Berkeley? The pizza board. Oh, really? Oh, Cheese board pizza. Cheese board. Oh, very popular one. Is it still there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it's definitely a... I think the weekend's usually good, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite places. <laughs> what about this? Experience as an MBA student or your experience graduating from the MBA program? I would say experience as an MBA student. Mm. I feel like I wouldn't replace my time at Haas with anything else. I think that, again, while I was very career focused when I'm coming into Haas and I knew what I wanted to do after Haas, I really enjoyed the company and I enjoyed the people at Haas. And I thought that was one of the things that make this time such a great time for me, specifically as a foreigner that coming into the U.S. for the first time and seeing all of that and really get such a diversity and diversified experience, I guess, from all the other international and local students. That was just amazing. So definitely my time at us. Awesome. And last question, 
What's a great piece of advice that you've received, either personal or professional? Be open-minded. Again, I, I mentioned this before, but people need to be open-minded about what can happen. And everyone has a plan, or at least people with coming into the MBA, most of them have a plan of what they want to be. I mean, they ask us to have a plan when they're coming into MBA. So most of people have a plan of what they want to do after an MBA. I feel like, well, yes, maybe you can do that. Be open-minded about what can be during your time here and definitely learn from other people's experience, memories, and others. Asha, it's great to be in conversation today. And thanks again for joining us on the show. Thank you. And go Bears. Go Bears. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the One Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled H-A-A-S dot F-M. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. And until next time, go Bears. Go Bears.